What a blessing to be here. Amen. We are privileged that we have a God that we can serve. Amen. And that he chooses to use us. Amen. And <clears throat> hopefully tonight as we, we look at, at these things that, I'll be honest, I w- I've been struggling with exactly what direction to take. Um, tonight, over the last, uh, I've been looking at it several times, but especially this week as I was digging in, uh, preparing for tonight. Uh, but I just want you to know my heart <clears throat> as we go into this tonight. I don't know if you remember my ordination service. I, I said, I just want to serve. I just want to be a servant. <clears throat> Certainly there are more qualified. I, I think I'm probably the epitome of foolishness of preaching. Uh, but if we would all have the attitude of just wanting to serve, there is no telling what God could do with a congregation of people with that attitude. That would just be humble, obedient servants. And so that's my heart tonight. And, and hopefully I can share some of that. Because some of these things that, I, that we talk about, um, I'm not really going to get in your living room and get in your face, but I think so, there are some things that we neglect because we're lazy uh, and we're apathetic. And to be quite frank, we're more concerned about what we can get out of church gatherings than what we can provide and invest in the lives of other people. Um, <clears throat> church isn't about you. And Cindy's my witness when Pastor was preaching this morning about it's not about you. I said, that's in my notes tonight, he, you know. So we'll, we'll see. I may, he, he touched that so well this morning, we might skip over that section. But thank you for the water. I don't know who brought it. Thank you, Brother Russ. So I, if you remember last month, we looked at the idea of why sometimes we fail to, thr- or to strive together. And uh, hopefully I conveyed the idea thoroughly enough that we... Uh, understand it's because we're not individually striving or as our text says we aren't only letting our conversation becoming the gospel Uh, whatever that may be the distraction in our life where our singular focus in life ought to be the the furtherance of the gospel the faith as believers as Christians Uh, but oftentimes in our lives that's not the case Uh, we allow work and and family, and whatever the host of things that oftentimes we allow to creep into our lives to overshadow those things that at times we put more effort and think are more important. But the truth of the matter is there is nothing more important for the child of God. Now, I'm not saying you forsake other responsibilities, right? Men, you got to take care of your family. Ladies, we heard a great message today about your role. Children, so, so I'm not saying you forsake those responsibilities, Uh, What I am saying is if you keep your focus on Christ and the gospel, all those things will fall in place. And we need to be careful not to distract ourselves with other things, uh, but keeping the gospel the priority. And so certainly if we're not individually seeking to order our lives after a godly sort, we can't do it collectively. Uh, It's impossible for us to strive together if we're not individually doing that. And so I trust that I was able to express that enough last month. Um, But this life, the believer's life, is not about you, the believer. Uh, We often tend to get that wrong. Uh, 
because our flesh wants it to be about me. Uh, and so that's a battle we all face. And we need to be reminded from time to time that it's about him. And it's about the gospel. And so hopefully tonight we'll be able to do that. And, and I have some practical things in my notes toward the end if we get there. Um, I don't know what time we quit on Sunday night. I don't pay attention when pastor's preaching. I just, when he's done, we're done. I, I don't watch the clock. Um, if you would stand with me in honor of reading the word of God, Philippians chapter 1. <clears throat> Verse 27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Heavenly Father, tonight we do thank you, Lord, for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for this church. Lord, I thank you that you've brought each one of us here together in this place that we might serve you. And Lord, we certainly desire for you to be glorified in all that's said and done in this place. And now as we gather here once again tonight, we need your touch. We pray that you'd fill with your spirit, Lord. And I pray that everything that's done and everything that's said tonight would be honoring and glorifying to you. But Lord, I pray that you would challenge us, Lord, not just to be attenders, not just to be members, but Lord, that we would be a striving people. Lord, that we would be committed to this Christian life, Lord, as you've called us to work and to labor. And so, Father, tonight I pray that you would bind our hearts together, Lord, that you would just knit us together. And Lord, burden us to share God the gospel in a greater capacity than we ever have in the past. And Lord, certainly we'll trust you Lord, for the results, but help us just to be humble and obedient. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. <clears throat> the singular focus of your life ought to be the gospel. And as I mentioned, those, you do have other responsibilities in life, but those things will fall into place as you put Christ first. Because if you're putting Christ first, he has ordained this thing to work properly. Uh, it's when we start to lean on our own understanding and, and we think we can figure things out better. Uh, but the reality is we do struggle at times. Uh, and this struggle of a divided focus is not a new issue in the church. The Apostle Paul dealt with it in the first century. Uh, he had to call out people. Uh, he saw these same struggles. Uh, look, go back and, and read Romans chapter 7 if you want to. The Apostle Paul had challenges with his flesh and fighting his flesh. It wanted to rule things. And, uh, of course, we know that he brought his body into subjection, he writes, uh, by the inspiration of God. Uh, but we don't have to look any further than chapter 2 to, to know this. Chapter 2, verse 21, it says, For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ." And so the Apostle Paul had a difficult time finding enough people, and this was in talking about Timothy. He was like, there's nobody like-minded as I am to send unto you. And so there was a limited group of laborers that was at Paul's disposal to do certain things because people were seeking their own. They were more interested in, in their life and, 
in those things. And obviously we know that, that that's a dangerous place. You can gain the whole world and, and lose your soul. And there are so many warnings in Scripture, uh, it, yet we're so prone to that oftentimes. And I'm talking to mature Christians. Uh, I, I've been coming to church for more than I wasn't now. I'm getting up there in the ages. You know, age. I'm not there with Brother Foley yet, but... <laughs> Cindy and... Was, she kind of back briefed me on uh, some of the things that the ladies taught, and and I was just ribbing her a little bit, giving her a hard time. I was like, "When did you become an aged woman?" <laughs> but of course, I aged right along with her, so it, it's an indictment of where I'm at. Uh, but listen, for you young folks, you'll be there before you even you won't even have to think about it. Bam, it'll be there. I used to think 42 was. Well, it's pretty old. <laughs> 42 now, I realize this doesn't seem that old. But, sorry, I, I distracted myself. The reality is, if you start seeking yourself, your own things and not those things that are Christ, before you know it, you're going to waste your life. You'll be old and aged and you'll look back and be like, what did I do with myself? You know, and certainly we don't want to be that. But tonight, I want, until we die to ourselves, our desires, our dreams our way of doing things, we will hinder the work of this church. James 1a, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Uh, we cannot vacillate back and forth in a lack of faith and expect God to do something great on our behalf. We just have to trust God with our life, step out in faith and be obedient to what He asks for. We need to acknowledge that our lives belong to God and commit ourselves to His service. 1 Corinthians 6, 24, Ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We need to go all in, so to speak. No reservations. There's nothing more important than this assembly today. And I can say that because this is what God has ordained. This isn't because we just decided that it would be a good thing to gather together occasionally. God has established the church. God has brought this thing about. And so to do anything else is contrary to what God would have for you in your life. And I don't think we fully understand the privilege and the honor it is to be a part of this. Not because you're special, certainly not because I am, but because we're a part of what God wants to do. And listen, I firmly believe this. God wants to do something with this people here tonight in this community. I'm afraid we use that for such a time as this pretty flippantly at times. Do we truly believe that God has brought us here at this time for this purpose? But I want to remind you tonight, it's all about him. It's not about you. Note here how many times the Apostle Paul uh, reminds the believers in Philippi that it's all about Christ. I, I got a couple things I want to show you here. He mentions in Christ or in the Lord at least 16 times in this epistle. So in Christ appears seven times. 
Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, 1, 13, 2, 1, 2, 5, 3, 3, 3, 14, 4, 21. In the Lord appears nine times. 114, 219, 224, 229, 31, 41, 42, 44, and 410. I get the idea that he's trying to remind those at Philippi that this is about Christ, this is about the Lord, this isn't about you. Now, the, the greatest blessing of all of this is, is we benefit from it. When we, when we participate in church like we ought to, and I'll hopefully share some of those things here, some, just some practical things. But we need to remember it's not about you and what you're going to get out of this. The, the greatest blessing in all of that is, is if we would do it right and be obedient to how God wants it, we will be blessed and we will feel like it, things are going our way because we'll be encouraged and we'll be strengthened and we'll be built up. But the Apostle Paul constantly thought of the spiritual union with Christ and he reminded the Philippians of it. And listen, I'm telling you, that's the Lord reminding us today. This is the inspired word of God. It wasn't just for the Christians at Philippi. It's for us Christians or believers here in Rapid City today. And so we must understand that our ability to strive together is based on our fellowship or kinship in Christ. That's what binds us together. And so if you're a church member that's not focused on Christ, and you're not ordering your life around Christ, you're hindering what God's able to do here. Because it's only when we're all surrendered that God can truly do more through us. As we all focus our lives on Christ, then we'll be united and ready to strive. Are you focused on Christ tonight? Here's a side note. Uh, we should not strive with one another, but together. But together. Not with one another. Adam uh, Clark, I believe, said this, wrestling together, not in contention with, the other, with, each other, with each other, but in union against the enemies of the gospel. Listen, we have a united cause. There's no room for us to be going back and forth with each other. It, it's counterproductive. That's a side note. But tonight, striving together. And so in our, in our, in our text here tonight, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, we kind of talked about your conversation and, and being focused solely on, based on your citizenship in heaven as a Christian, that your conversation should be becoming of the gospel. And then later on in that verse, we're going to look at this idea of striving together. Striving together. This is one word in the Greek. The word, and I, I don't, I'm not Greek, so it's hard to pronounce these things. Uh, soon, athleo. Uh, it's really kind of an athletic term, but it comes from two other root words. Uh, the soon, uh, meaning by association, companionship, uh, principality, addition, besides, and, and really it has all this, the, the idea of completeness, uh, together. And without each other, we are not complete and unable to execute the mission, if you will. And athleo, you kind of get the word athletics in there, uh, but that means to contend in the competitions. Here's a definition that Strong's gave me. He's a genius. Strive. Anyway. 
But it says, meaning to wrestle in company with, look at this, to seek jointly. So now, if our lives are ordered properly, and we are individually seeking Christ, and we're pursuing Him, and our conversation is pleasing to Him, we're striving for the faith of the gospel as an individual, now we can do it jointly because we were doing this thing together, striving together to labor with, to strive together, contend. The idea here tonight is that we must all do our part. We have to exert energy. We work at this. You don't strive on accident. You know what happens when I just don't think about anything? I sit on my lazy chair for longer than I ought to. Listen, we need to be focused. We have a mission to do. And in the military, that's easy to understand, especially when I would deploy. Sometimes you're here at home station and boy, you just wonder, what am I doing here? It just seems, you know, I've fixed the same wall ten times. What? Oh, more drop ceiling tiles. Lord, help me. Um, some of you guys that have done maintenance before, you probably understand some of that. But it just gets weary at times. But when you deploy and you have a specific mission, a construction project or something, it's very motivating to say, boy. And, and oh. Have you ever built something? I know Brother Alstrom's built a couple things. Um, But one of the most satisfying things in my military, in my Air Force career, was when we would go somewhere and it was nothing. Bare land. And you do earthwork. Well, the dirt boys would primarily. And, and you do trenching. And then the real hard workers would get out there and start erecting structures. <laughs> but I'll never forget, we went to Camp Shocker in Iraq and and there was nothing there. there the, we were expanding the base. And you look out, and if you've been to the Middle East, so there's just sand, and it's ugly sand. It's not like Florida beach sand. It's like, what? Ugh. And so you, but it's just out there, and it's a dangerous area. And then you take and you run some HESCOs or some type of a perimeter out there. And a month, two weeks, depending on how big the job is later, there's a small city. And it's very satisfying. And you can look back and say, I was a part of that. That's how I feel we need to be in church. Listen, we have a mission to do. We have a responsibility to stand. We'll, we'll Lord willing, talk about that in the weeks to, or in the months to come, I guess. Uh, we have a responsibility to stand, but we have a responsibility for the faith of the gospel. And we need to energize ourselves and, and get busy about this thing. But listen tonight, it, it, we must do it together. Pastor's not going to reach Rapid City on his own. The bus routes aren't going to reach Rapid City. You want to know why? Because that's not how God designed it. God designed it for all of us to get busy and all of us to do our part. Listen, there are people that you will meet that I will never even see. And so we all need to be concerned with the gospel going forward. We all must do our part. God has placed each of us here for a purpose. 
Do you believe that? I certainly do. We got here, I thought, on accident. Our family. But it wasn't an accident. God knew what he was doing. And so I know for a fact he brought us here. And I want you to listen to me tonight. Don't miss this part. You are a valuable part of what God is doing and wants to do here. You. The person that thinks they're not. The person that thinks they're lesser. The person that feels like they don't have an impact. God values you and he's brought you here for a purpose. To be a part of this. We must understand that. You're a valuable part of it. If you will, this is a team sport. All those base expansions I've done in my military career, I would have never accomplished it by myself. I can operate a loader. I've been on a bulldozer, a grader, all that stuff, but I'm really not that good at it. We do need the dirt boys. I hate to say that. <laughs> Listen, you know what I don't know? Plumbing. I just haven't done plumbing. Those poor turd herders, God bless them. <laughs> but we need them. They're an important part of, of all the trades... And Josiah Bell, I don't, I don't think he's here. I always give HVAC a hard time because nobody needs HVAC. It's like comfort, right? <laughs> the more we have computers, the more you need it. But, but what the reality is in church, there is no expendable people. We're all needed and we're all here because God has brought us here. And listen, I don't want you to miss that tonight. If you're here, if you're a part of Liberty, God's brought you here. Romans 12, 4 and 5, For we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ. There it is again, in Christ. It's all about Christ. Ephesians 4, 16, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh the increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Ephesians 2, 20 through 22, And are built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth up in holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Listen, God is doing the work. God has brought us here. God is doing this. Framed together or builded together, God has gathered this group of saints together to accomplish his purpose in this place or in this community. Did you know God wants to reach the world? God's going to use us to reach this city, this part of the world. This is our peace, if you will. I get it. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Praise God for all of our missionaries that we support and all those things. I'm not downplaying any of that. That's important. But the reality is, are you doing what God wants you to do in this place? It's easy to get your conscience soothed because you put some money in the offering. And we send that to a missionary far, far away that we don't even pray for. Lord, help us. But the reality is we have a responsibility and a work to do right in this place. God's brought us together. Albert Barnes says this about that scripture they're talking about being built up and, and fitly framed together. It says, the word here used means to join together as a carpenter does the framework of a building. The materials are accurately and carefully united by mortises and tenons so that the building shall be firm. Different materials may be used, right? Different materials, right? We're not all the same. They may be used, and different kinds of timber may be employed. 
but one part shall be worked into another so as to constitute a durable and beautiful edifice. So in the church, the different materials, and he says here, the Jews and the Gentiles, the people of various nations, though heretofore separated and discordant, become now united and form a harmonious society. They believe the same doctrines, worship the same God, practice the same holiness, and look forward to the same heaven. Listen, God has brought us in this place to do His work. We can't do it alone. We will never do it individually. God has designed it to be done collectively, to be done together. He's given us a pastor to lead and direct things. Listen, to not submit to that is to not to submit to God. There's many offices in the church, the Word of God says, and we don't all do the same thing, but some people do have certain roles, and we need to be submissive to those things. Listen, He has given each one of us to love and to exhort one another, to encourage one another. Listen, we have one another to strive with. Have you ever had to do something alone? How lonely. How demoralizing. How hard it is. There were some times I was, uh, we were mass producing some parts. Uh, I, I can't remember for what, what I was doing specifically. It was something for, for a bunch of windows or doors or something. I don't remember. But I just remember it started out great because the, all the people, all the airmen were there. I, was, I think I was a, a staff sergeant or maybe a tech at the time. You know, and, and all this work is being accomplished. And boy, we got, we got to make thousands of these things. And it's going pretty good because we had, you know, eight or ten guys. You know, and we were just working away and things were going good. And then just in the process of time and after different things, those guys all had to go and do other things. And there was Justin DeGarmo by himself with this list. I, it was a couple thousand of these things, if I remember right. And I just felt like, oh, this is miserable. And then, of course, in a, in a day or two, those guys were back and we were just mass producing. And it was so hard to do it yourself. I hated it. I didn't want to do it. And the reality is, I probably didn't get a whole lot done. If I would have just waited for them to come back, it'd been more, I could have done, been more productive doing something else. But I hope you understand what I'm saying is, it, it's hard to do it alone. We need each other. But we always need to remember that it's not about you, it's about the faith of the gospel. So we're not always going to do things the way that you want. The way that I want. That's just the reality. What's most effective for the gospel's sake? What's the Lord led our pastor to do and to lead us to do? So it's not all about you. And certainly we all have different talents or abilities, different treasures, and even time, and when I say time, I'm not talking about some people have more hours in a day, but more availability. Because we do have demands of this life that, that we are responsible for. And, and we can't shirk the responsibilities of life. And so certainly some people are more available. But my question tonight to you is, are you using yours, your talents, your treasures, your time for the Lord in this assembly? 
Or are you letting the other things of life distract you from being all in? You're bought with a price. We should have no reservations. This should be the most important thing that we do. Perhaps outside of our families. Is our contribution to the assembly of God, to the church. If your job is more important to you than this, you're wrong. That's based on the Bible. Don't get mad at me. And if your family's more important than God, you're wrong. We must be totally surrendered to Christ and the gospel. Luke 9, 23, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We can go on and talk about forsaking family and and our mother and our father and all those things. And, And of course, you know I'm not advocating that you neglect your family. That's not what that scripture teaches. It's teaching who has the preeminence. What is the most important focus of your life? It ought to be Christ. I'm asking you, and really the Lord is asking you to sell out for Him and to sell out for this church. To strive together with the people of liberty for the faith of the gospel. Listen, as a Christian, you're commanded to do so. And since God's brought you here, let's do it together. You're already here. Let's just start doing it. Christ sold out. Not a sellout in a bad way. We must totally be surrendered to Christ and the gospel. Luke 9.22 saying, this is Jesus, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. Christ was all in. He gave everything for the church. He died for this. And God help us if we can't be faithful to the worship times. Shame on us. Have you ever heard of the the disease encephalitis lethargica? I never had until I was looking at some of these things for this, but the disease attacks the brain and causes people to freeze like a statue, unable to speak or move. Sounds very troubling. But from 1915 to 26, uh, there was a worldwide epidemic of it. I don't know what epidemic, pandemic statuses are. I didn't look at that, but uh, <clears throat> obviously it seems to have died out today primarily. And Supposedly there's some isolated cases yet today. But I'm afraid to say that some Christians seem to have been affected with this disease, something akin to it. There are times we fail to speak and fail to act. We're frozen in our Christianity, if you will. God helps to be busy about the Father's business. The church cannot go forward if we're not all involved. Certainly things will, will carry on and, and things will be done, but I think the more people that fully sell out and commit to this thing and surrender their lives to God, can you imagine what God could do? 
we don't know what he would do. You know, they say that <clears throat> sin will take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, keep you there longer than you want to stay. If you would sell out to God, it will take you further than we ever thought we could go. And listen, we don't have to pay for any of it. God can supply all of it. <laughs> Why so often do we just fail to act and be obedient to what God's called us to do? <clears throat> this church has needs. Listen, we're, we're a blessed church. We have a lot of laborers and those things. But listen, there's things that we could do better. There's some folks that might need to take a breath because they've been running a ministry for 22 years. And I'm not, hopefully you understand the sarcasm there. But the reality is sometimes people get tired. But there's nobody on the bench because nobody cares. Or it seems like they don't because they're not committed to getting busy about this thing. Do you truly believe God has brought you here? If so, it's time to get busy. Listen, our church has ministries that can use more laborers. The Lord said the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. My prayer is that cannot be said of Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. That, boy, we're all in. We're all engaged in some way or another. It's going to be different for everyone. I think Pastor mentioned today we need a van driver. Listen, there's children's churches that are being taught. There's sound booths to work. There's uh, greeters and ushers and, and Sunday school and Sunday school helpers. Listen, we need door knockers. We need canvassers. We're ministering in the nursing homes. We're ministering in the jail. We're, we're cleaning a missions house. And listen, those are just things that came to my mind as I was jotting some things down. This church is doing a lot. And it's all different things, but... Listen, how much more could we do if everybody was doing something? There's no telling. And so tonight, I got a few practical things I want to share with you about your critical role in this assembly. And so sometimes we don't feel like maybe we're led to do something specific of service, or maybe we're not able, because that does happen in life. God takes us through seasons of life and we may not be physically able or, or otherwise to do certain things. But I got a few things for you tonight that you can do to contribute to our church. And you can do these without having a formal position, a formal title. You can just do these because you're a Christian. Here we go. Arrive early and stay late. If you talk to Brother Alstrom, you're staying late. <laughs> I think the other night, Cindy and I left here around 10. But it was a blessing. Amen. It wasn't, a, I didn't, uh, it wasn't a difficult thing to do. Because it was fellowship and it was good. And, and Listen, did you know Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 is still in your Bible? It's still in mine anyway. I don't know. Maybe you cut that page out. But. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, 
but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The opposite of forsaking is to meet together, or the opposite of forsaking to meet together is not just technically going to church. There's more in that verse than just attending. You can forsake the assembly and be sitting in a chair tonight. Sneaking in the door and bolting out immediately after the last amen. Forsaking the assembly. Failing to meet entails not just the proximity that you were here, but a failure to be an encouragement. A failure to fellowship. Forsaking. And I'm not saying it's always easy, because it's not. And I, some days you do. When the last prayer said, maybe you do cut out. But that certainly shouldn't be your pattern. Here in Hebrews, in those verses, the writer assumes that meeting together will lead to the stirring of each other up in love and good works. You can't do that if you show up right at 6 p.m. and leave as soon as they say amen. Because that's when the program's happening, right? You're just going to sit there like a lump on the log. You've forsaken the opportunity to contribute to the assembly. You're just a leech at that point. Now listen, I'm not saying that you've got to be the funniest, friendliest guy in the church. But Lord, help us to do our part. That church ain't friendly. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. Listen, sometimes you need to do your part. Just because you're here doesn't mean that you contributed to what God has asked you to do and what He wants you to do and what church really is all about. Listen, it's not just the pastor stirring us up to love and to good works, but you stir me, I stir you, we encourage one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. I don't know how many times this week several people have just said, man, it just seems like that day's coming sooner than before. In the last 10 years or so, you just like the Lord's coming has to, oh boy, something's going to happen. Well, we need to be more faithful to church than ever before. Boy, maybe we need to add a, another day that we gather together. So much the more, boy, we chuckle at that, but the reality is, when, when things start happening, we might need a little bit more fellowship. Uh, I'm not advocating for a, a third day of the week that we gather necessarily. How can we encourage one another if we avoid speaking with God's people? Listen, preaching is, is really the the focal point of our services. It really is, but we need to be encouraging and exhorting one another. Because if we go out into the world, we go out into our workplaces, and it can be hard, it can be difficult, and it can be challenging. We need to be encouraging one another. You can't encourage somebody if you come in late and leave early. 
And I would say this, consider creating space for after-service fellowship to carry over. Schedule it. Don't get your reservation for the restaurant at 12.30 because you know we get out at 12.15. Usually, anyway. Around that time. It wasn't too long ago that when church is considered the Lord's Day, it was the Lord's Day. They did it all day. Cindy and I, I can't remember where it was, but we used to stay at the church. Just I don't remember if it was because of our commute or, or what the situation was, and there were a few families that did that. And it was a blessing. Because, you know, those folks that didn't want to commute home and all the way back in that same day, we would stay at the church, have a meal together, and, and it was a great time of fellowship. And it wasn't labored, it wasn't hard, it was just good. Time around the saints is imperative for effective ministry. If we're going to strive together, we need to be together. We need to spend time together, get to know each other. So arrive early, stay late, pray for the church. And certainly pray for the church at home and your your prayer time, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking tonight about. But pray for a burden for someone in the assembly that you can go to and talk to and encourage. Listen, tonight I'm talking about being intentional, striving, focusing on serving our God in the furtherance of the gospel. Look to be a blessing when you're here. Seek out fellowship. Look for somebody that you haven't talked to ever or maybe in a long time. Find the new face, the person you've never really seen. And then you introduce them. Oh, yeah, I've been coming coming for a month. I feel like an idiot. Where have I been? Well, I've been disconnected, worried about myself, focused on other things, not engaging in the fellowship of the believer. So pray that God would lead you to somebody. It can be awkward to talk to people. Talk to Brother George, you'll know. I said that because of your expression, brother. Remember what your Savior did for you. He took on human flesh. He was beaten and broken, tortured. And he took the, the most bitterness of the Father's wrath as he considered the interests of ours over his own. I think we can endure an awkward conversation for the sake of the gospel. To be an encouragement, maybe to share the gospel. Folks come in here that don't know Christ. We ought to be willing to talk to them. Boy, if I go over there and I introduce myself, maybe the conversation will carry on and I'll miss the football game. Who cares? And I like football. Listen, but sometimes it's going to take a little bit of effort, a little bit of prayer, a little bit of asking God to lead and to guide to have that real conversation. That's what this fellowship is about. It's not about coming in and talking about, we haven't seen the sun in four days, praise God, the sun's out. And I'll finish up, maybe we can enjoy some of these snacks outside tonight. But listen, we got to get real if we really want to strive together.
many of you, to my shame, I don't know as well as I probably should. Because I haven't engaged in conversation with you. And listen, it, it is difficult. You want to talk to people? I want to talk to people? We, sometimes it doesn't cross. But I hope you understand what I'm saying. Are you being intentional about being an encouragement in this place? Because it's imperative if we're going to strive together that we know one another, that we're praying for one another, that we're encouraging one another. We're not going to be able to do this on our own. Have those real conversations. Quit talking about your afternoon plans, how the weather's been lately, whether work's going good or not. I'm not saying those things are wrong. But sometimes we need to wade into a little deeper water conversation. Ask them how your family's doing. Recently I was talking to somebody and they shared some things. Boy, I'm going to be praying for you. I had no idea. I did not know that. Answer questions honestly yourself. That's a way to lead into some deeper waters if you're honest. You know, it's, it's not actually going that good. At least I don't feel like it today. Be honest. I can always tell you I'm doing pretty good and thank you for asking and just keep walking through and I'll say that to 10 people as you walk through the church house. That's not real fellowship. We get more real with our coworkers oftentimes. We should be ashamed of that, by the way. Lord, help us to have real conversations with the people that were here. We can talk about our struggles. We can talk about our victories. Listen, and you can share with discretion. You don't have to throw all the dirty laundry out there. But be real with people. If we would be honest, it will often free other people up that are struggling to share some things. And you can have great fellowship intimate fellowship not the intimate fellowship that brother Foley talks about that argumentative fellowship that's not what I'm talking about (laughs) I'm talking about encouraging Christ honoring fellowship that we can continue to go forward for the gospel's sake If we believe our responsibilities as a Christian, uh, maybe as a member of this church, then we ought to be putting the appropriate effort into those things that advance the gospel. If we know that a closer fellowship will advance the gospel, why do we neglect it? If you are Christ and you have, listen, I, I want you, we're going to close here. If you are in Christ and God has brought you here, you have an indispensable role in every gathering. You're not here by accident. You're not less significant because you don't do the preaching or you don't do X or you feel like whatever. You have an indispensable role and I think sometimes you just need to understand that and take it seriously and begin conducting yourself in a way that is an encouragement and help to others because it's not all about you. But if you would do some of these practical things tonight, 
you'll find as I try to get around and, and, and greet and talk to folks and, and those things, you'll find it will be encouraging. God will bring you in the path of that person and boy, they'll say the things that will just be a blessing and encouragement and they'll strengthen you. Don't wait for it to happen. Engage and be intentional about it. Just because you feel like you don't provide the main functions of the church does not diminish your importance or contribution to this body. And the advancing of the gospel. So tonight, I just want to remind you, in order for us to strive together, we must understand that we are all an important part of what God is trying to do here. God has brought us here. I just want to encourage you tonight to do your part. As the Lord leads. As the Lord leads. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this church. Lord, you've been good to us. Lord, I truly believe this is the best church in Rapid City. And Father, I just pray that you would help us to be better. Lord, I pray that we would be a surrendered people, that we would, Lord, be able to band together and strive together for the faith of the gospel. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just knit our hearts together, that you would strengthen our fellowship. Help us, Lord, to be an encouragement and help us to love one another. And Father, I pray that you would take our church Lord, to places that we would have never thought that could be. And Lord, I just pray you'd help us to trust you in all of it. Lord, we don't know what you want to accomplish with us, and so I just pray that you'd help us to be humble and obedient and trust you for the results. And we'll give you the glory for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.